0: Thank um... you.
1: welcome back. It's Morgan Zeggers with some sanity. <laughs> I hope you guys had a nice week. Uh, I'm coming at you because holy moly, it's Tuesday. I'm just sitting here at my work desk and then all of a sudden this article came across my feed and I said, Whoa, I need to, to share this with my peeps. So here is the article headline. We're going to get right into it and then we're going to break down the importance of what's going on right now. The headline is from CNN. Ugh. CNN <laughs> says Woodward Costa a book worried Trump could go rogue. Quote, Millie took secret action to protect nuclear weapons. Here's what the article says. Washington. All right. Two days after the January 6 attack on the U.S. Capitol, President Donald Trump's top military advisor, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley, single handedly took secret action to limit Trump from potentially ordering a dangerous military strike or launching nuclear weapons, according to Peril, a new book by legendary journalist Bob Woodward and veteran Washington Post reporter Robert Costa. <laughs> An unelected military official decided to provide an unconstitutional check on the president of the United States. Is basically what that is. Continuing, Woodward and Costa write that Millie, deeply shaken by the assault on the Capitol, the assault, was certain that Trump had gone into a serious mental decline. <laughs> That's a serious mental decline, not anything Biden has done. Okay, sorry. I'm getting frustrated, was certain that Trump had gone into serious mental decline in the aftermath of the election, with Trump now all but manic screaming at officials and constructing his own alternate reality about endless election conspiracies. Just no comment there, okay? Milley Milley worried that Trump could, quote, go rogue, the authors wrote. You never know what a president's trigger point is going to be, Milley told his senior staff, according to the book. In response, Milley took extraordinary action and called a secret meeting in his Pentagon office on January 8th to review the process for military action, including launching nuclear weapons. Speaking to senior military officials in charge of the National Military Command Center, the Pentagon's war room, Millie instructed them to not take orders from anyone else unless he was involved. (laughs) Unless he was involved. My, my head hurts reading this and my heart. Oh gosh. Quote, no matter what you are told, you do the procedure. You do the process, and I'm part of that procedure, Millie told the officers, according to the book. He then went around the room, looked each officer in the eye, and asked them to verbally confirm they understood. Oh my God. Got it? Millie asked, according to the book. Yes, sir. Millie considered it an oath. Again, an unelected military official claiming do not take orders from anybody else in the United States of America without including me. Oh, my goodness. Peril is based on more than 200 interviews with firsthand participants and witnesses, and it paints a chilling picture of Trump's final days in office. The book, Woodward's third on the Trump Presidency, recounts behind the scenes moments of a commander in chief unhinged and explosive yelling at senior advisors and aides as he desperately sought to cling to power. Oh my god. Okay, no comment, no comment, no comment. I'm only here for the good the good info on this Millie guy. Ugh. It also includes exclusive reporting on the events leading up to January 6th and Trump's reaction to the insurrection, as well as newly revealed details about Trump's January 5th Oval Office showdown with his vice president, Mike Pence. I'm sorry, I'm just a little annoyed that it's it's treated as a book launch and these people are about to make a lot of money by you know, propagandizing and monopolizing uh, the story. I really don't like that because a lot of people want to know what happened. A lot of people want those juicy details. And now it's being released in a book for these guys to make a lot of money from. And that's kind of freaking annoying. I mean, this is coming from the same leftists that think that January 6th was worse than 9-11. So I just really have a low bar set for these people at this point. Oh, the book also examines Joe Biden's decision to run for office again. It's almost like he gets rich when he has power. The first six months of his presidency, why he pushed so hard to get out of Afghanistan, and how he really feels about Trump. CNN obtained a copy of Peril out of its release on September 21st. I'm not buying this book. You know he's crazy. This gets back to Millie. Millie's fear was based on his own observations of Trump's erratic behavior. His concern was magnified by the events of January 6th and the extraordinary risk the situation posed to U.S. national security, the authors write. "Millie had already had two back channel phone calls with China's top general who was on high alert over the chaos in the U.S. Can we repeat that one? Millie had already had two back channel phone calls with China's top general who was on high alert over the chaos in the U.S. Holy moly, you guys. Now this is what's interesting. So there's a tweet. Do you guys remember Alexander Vindman? I remember Alexander Vindman. Let's just say he's not a big Trump fan. He even tweeted in response to this news to a Washington Post article that said top general was so fearful Trump might spark war with China that he made secret calls to his counterpart in Beijing, new book says. So then, Alexander Vindman, a huge lefty from the military, a little twat, he shared this and he said if this is true, General Milley must resign. He usurped civilian authority broke chain of command and violated the sacrosanct principle of civilian control over the military. It's an extremely dangerous precedent. You can't simply walk away from that. Hashtag do the right thing in the right way. Thank you, Alexander Vindman. That is what I will say about that. That is such a good point. It's the same thing where, honestly, it's it's very relatable with the left. They claim they are fighting the fascists and they are, you know, anti fascists. They are fighting the fascists and the Nazis and all these things. They want to punch a Nazi in the face. In reality, they are behaving like fascists behave and they are just attacking basic conservatives that they think are fascist. So they. Think they're doing the right thing and having all this social justice. It's the same thing with the people that burn down the nearest Wendy's, loot the nearest target, smash the windows of small businesses and say, they're doing it in the name of social justice. And as if they're saving black lives or something, when in reality, they're just causing major damage and major, uh, major struggle and they aren't having the positive impact they want. I don't know. There's something philosophical there of that concept that you think you might be doing the right thing and you might be stopping evil. But in reality, the behavior that you are partaking in is is actually you know, maybe worse than the initial problem itself, General Milley. So that's really interesting. Okay, back to the article. Millie had already had two back-channel phone calls with China's top general, who was on high alert over the chaos in the U.S. Oh yeah, I'm sure this China guy was really, really worried. Then Millie received a blunt phone call From House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Come to Chinatown. Do I have that sticker yet?
0: We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are.
1: Here we are. Come to Chinatown. (laughs) Okay. So he gets a blunt phone call from Nancy Pelosi, according to the book. Woodward and Costa exclusively obtained a transcript of the call. Oh, that's interesting. See, this is again. They get the transcript of the call and they get to release it in their book. During which, like, this is how the American people find out about this entire story. Somebody releases a book and gets to make some money off of it. I'm annoyed. Okay. Obtained a transcript of the call during which Millie tried to reassure Pelosi that the nuclear (laughs) weapons were safe. Oh, man. Okay. Pelosi pushed back. What I'm saying to you is that if they couldn't even stop him from an assault on the Capitol... Who even knows what else he may do? And is there anybody in charge at the White House who is doing anything but kissing his fat butt all over this? Nancy said. Pelosi continued. You know he's crazy. He has been crazy for a long time. These people, what they do, classic leftist tactic, is to delegitimize your political opponent. To make them seem crazy. It's like a guy that no longer wants to date a girl, but she's like a normal person. And then he says, oh, she was crazy. No. If a guy tells you, this is what I've learned. If a guy says, all my exes are crazy, it probably means his behavior turned all of those women crazy. Is everybody perfect in a relationship? No, but it's very manipulative to call all the people in your past crazy. Is it the same thing as what the lefties do now? No, but it just reminded me of that. That being said, Leftists throughout history will delegitimize and take away the the respect that the population has for people with power, and it makes them seem like the cuckoo ones, and then it makes people feel more safe and secure when they hear from those good voices of authority that are respectable, like Nancy Pelosi. And Trump's just crazy. You shouldn't believe him. Anybody believes him is just crazy, too, and racist, too, and sexist, too, and all the bad things. So back to this. According to Woodward and Costa, Millie responded, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. Again, an unelected military official breaking chain of command and pretty much doing some illegal no-nos, some illegal no-nos. Oh my goodness. So this is also, of course, you're going to start lashing out. I can only feel for Trump in this situation surrounded by swamp creatures, surrounded by career D.C. people, surrounded by people that want to last through you, through the next administration and beyond and are only self-interested. It's so hard to find statesmen. It's so hard to find people that are doing it for the good, positive impact that you could have by having a public office or an, an office in the government. I would be going crazy if I were him, too, honestly, surrounded by people that you don't trust, trying to help a country that hates you. It's just truly a shame. But that's the thing. The American people love Donald Trump. And I know that it was obvious. So after the call, Millie decided he had to act. He told his top service chiefs to watch everything, quote, all the time. He called the director of the National Security Agency, Paul Nakasone, am I saying that right? And told him, needles up, keep watching, scan. And he told then CIA director Gina Haspel, aggressively watch everything 360. Hmm. The authors wrote, Millie was overseeing the mobilization of America's national security state without the knowledge of the American people or the rest of the world. Again, one, why are we just finding out about this with the release of somebody's book that they get to profit off of? Is that journalism? It's disappointing. Woodward and Costa also write that, quote, some might contend that Millie had overstepped, some might, some might contend that Millie had overstepped his authority and taken extraordinary power for himself, but he believed his actions were a, quote, good faith precaution to ensure there was no historic rupture in the international order, no accidental war with China or others, and no use of nuclear weapons. I'm sorry, but now you've got these new people in charge, and look what they did in Afghanistan. It's great. Now I really trust them now. Where was Millie then? (laughs) Was he protecting everything then? Trump going rogue. Millie's... (laughs) My heart hurts. (sighs) Trump going rogue. Millie's fear that Trump could do something unpredictable came from experience. Right after Trump lost the election, Millie discovered the president had signed a military order to withdraw all troops from Afghanistan by January 15th, 2021, before he left the White House. The memo had secretly been drafted by two Trump loyalists. No one in the national security team knew about it, according to the book. The memo was eventually nullified, but Millie could not forget what Trump had done when he did an end run around his top military advisors. Also, he was upset that he wasn't included in something. Woodward and Costa write that after January 6, Milley felt no absolute certainty that the military could control or trust Trump. Did I read that right? Milley felt no absolute certainty that the military could control or trust Trump. Is the military supposed to control the president? And believed it was his job as the national military officer or the senior military officer to think the unthinkable and take any and all ne- necessary precautions. This guy so badly wants to like be a George Washington. You know what I mean? He's so looking for his place in history that he has manufactured his own mini crisis that he could solve and then become a hero from. You gotta love Millie called it the absolute darkest moment of theoretical possibility. Thank you, Millie, for saving our country. Now we are just A OK with Joe Biden in charge. We just thank you so much for your service. Peril is one of the several books released this year that have documented the tumultuous days of Trump's final presidency, blah blah blah. Okay. Wag the dog. Woodward and Costa write that top national security officials were worried Trump might pull a wag the dog, provoking a conflict domestically or abroad to distract from his crushing election loss. Do they not think this is bad timing after the absolute international failure that is Afghanistan that is going on literally right now? I know that, you know, the propaganda arm of our country is trying to distract us right now with the vaccine mandates and with AOC's dress and all the blah, blah, blahs. But guys, this article is not going to make people more worried about Joe Biden or more worried about Trump's behavior on Afghanistan than Joe Biden. It's not going to work. Stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to make Fetch happen. When Trump refused to concede in November 2020, Haspel warned Millie we are on the way to a right wing coup. The whole thing is Insanity. He's acting out like a six-year-old with a tantrum. Haspel also worried that Trump would try to attack Iran. Iran, I am losing my mind today. This is a highly dangerous situation. We are going to lash out for his ego," she asked Millie. According to the book, Millie had just one goal: ensuring a peaceful transfer of power on January twentieth. As he told Pompeo, "We've got a plane with four engines, and three of them are out." We've got no landing gear, but we're going to land this plane and we're going to do it safely. You guys, I I share this article with you because I've I've talked about this before over the last year, it's just gotten pretty insane, but there's a checklist throughout history of what happens as a country experiences a downfall specifically to a rising radical leftist faction. And unfortunately, in America, I had warned about the politicization of our military and we've been seeing that over the last year or so, especially as we've found out that they're teaching things like the 1619 project and diversity training and critical race theory and all these anti American lessons to our military. Not only that, I'm hearing a lot of really disturbing news about um, what happened during the basic training sessions for guys and girls that went through basic during COVID and a lot of really important information and lessons were left out specifically chain of command, specifically how our government is set up with our federalist system. Some really important basics that people in our military should be aware of that was left out. And apparently it's due to COVID reasons. And that's hearing that firsthand from multiple sources. Um, Not only that we had a whistleblower come out and explain that there is Marxism in the military they are teaching Marxist lessons and he warned he came out about it because he said there's politi- political talking in the military the military is being politicized from the inside out and that's not right and so he was a whistleblower to warn about the politicization of our military unfortunately he is no longer working because he was accused of politicizing the military for warning that he saw the military being politicized. What kind of clown world are we living in? We should protect whistleblowers. Unfortunately, he lost his job. He doesn't have his job anymore because he spoke out. And I know Dan Crenshaw is a really great guy. Uh, he has his website now. I, I think it might be his official congressperson's office website, um, where there is a link for anybody in the military who wants to become a whistleblower and, and let him know and his office know what's going on. And that's, that's a really big deal. And so if you're in the military and experiencing crazy stuff, you got to expose that. Um, but what are some other things that happen in the checklist throughout history? There's the indoctrination of children in the classrooms. And we definitely see that. I mean, right now, uh, over 5,000 schools, I'm pretty sure is what it's at in America teach either the 1619 Project or some form of critical race theory that emphasizes socialism over capitalism, that emphasizes government authority over uh, independence, whether that's economic independence or personal independence. And that's a really big deal. Not only that, but the 1619 Project teaches young American children that America wasn't founded in 1776. It was founded in 1619, and that we only sought freedom from England because we wanted to be able to have our free country with slavery, and England was going to take that away from us. They wanted to end slavery. We wanted to keep it. And so, teaching young Americans that our founders fought for America's freedom, not because we were being oppressed by a colonialist monarchy overseas that was oppressing us, but instead to be able to have slavery still stay on our shores you're not exactly building a generation of young Americans. That's proud of the founding of our country that is willing and and interested and dedicated uh, to preserving those freedoms. Okay. Those concepts that America was founded on. That's a very big deal. What's another one, the centralization of power away from the States and into the hands of the government. So basically when we look at socialism, let's just break that one down. Socialism is just the economic step. It's when the government starts taking control of major industries It's no longer private businesses, private uh, people leading the way. And that's a really big deal. But in addition to the economic step, which is, I would say, the most important step, there are the aspects of authoritarianism and totalitarianism. And we've seen over the last two years with COVID, the centralization of power away from states and into the hands of the federal government. Uh, And that's because with COVID, it's authority. They are now... Changing America from a country of choice into a country of force. And just today I saw clips from Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that it's on the table for them to consider requiring vaccination if you want to domestically travel, domestically fly in the United States of America. That is embracing authoritarianism telling people you can't do certain basic freedoms. And it's honestly unconstitutional, but that doesn't stop them these days. Okay. They are rejecting our concept in the constitution of balance of power and checks on power. It's disturbing. Another one is the untrustworthy elections. Can you guys, uh, imagine in America where we might have an issue of trusting the outcome of elections? Well, we got some problems there. (laughs) Uh, we saw that in Venezuela though. I mean, it, I've done a few videos on it, but in Venezuela, the the socialists were democratically elected into their offices. And then once they got into power, the elections just kind of became less and less trustworthy and and they would – I don't know. It's a strange way to put it, but they would basically – Make it harder for certain areas of the country to vote. They would change voting locations they would um, harass people and they would uh, coerce people and force people into doing certain things. Not only that sometimes there is only one option on that ballot and uh it makes it pretty obvious <laughs> what what you're expected to do by the government so when they force you to go to the polls, they pretty much don't have to say. We're going to know if you voted and who you voted for. All they have to say is, we're going to know if you showed up on election day. And that's enough in Cuba and Venezuela to say to the people to make sure that they understand they are being tracked by the government which way they vote. And you don't want to get them uh, upset because they provide you with food, with all your groceries, all your health care, your employment, your pension, everything. That's why socialism is not good. What's another one? Oh, propaganda. Propaganda pushed by the government and the media. We're experiencing that right now, and I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, what's one basic situation? I don't know, like CNN or the New York Times writing articles about how communist China was in a better position to fight the pandemic than America was because it had a great, strong, top-down approach to fighting COVID. Uh, You guys, China's lying about their COVID numbers, and China is a regime that puts its people in concentration camps and kills any political dissent. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, a big top-down approach, that would be a communist regime. Thank you very much. But the big papers in the United States of America like to praise it. So that's nice. Uh, That's a bunch of propaganda in favor of authoritarianism and force versus American freedom and choice. The other situation, though, is the distraction style of propaganda, and that's what we're experiencing today today. Just two weeks ago, over 13 people died. American citizens, service members died in Afghanistan because a politician made a political decision, and it was a bad decision. And then they didn't fix the problem. And then they fully pulled out, leaving behind thousands of Americans and thousands, who knows how many, because we can't trust the government's numbers. And how many thousands of Afghan allies that are now behind enemy lines, hiding, trying to fight for their lives, and if they get stopped, they will be killed. I have sources telling me, because I'm trying to help some in, some people out, people are saying, basically, if you go to a Taliban uh, checkpoint... They take your phone, they check your phone, and they make sure that you don't have any American phone numbers in there. And if you do, it means you're communicating with somebody in America probably to try and get out or who knows what. And that's when you're killed on site. So isn't that nice? Uh, That's happening like today, right now, as all the Americans are talking about AOC's dress and we're bitching about the vaccine mandate and we're freaking out about everything else that's going on in the country. And for good reason. That's the thing. It's not like we can't dedicate our attention and time to the unconstitutional national vaccination mandate. But at the same time there's a crisis going on in Afghanistan that should des- fully deserves our 100% capacity of attention. But we can't because 100 million of us might get fired or be forced to take a vaccination. So what the heck do we do? Why does it feel so chaotic? It's almost like it was planned. For people who keep messaging me saying, this seems chaotic, like chaotic, Morgan, how do you do it? How do you not lose hope with everything going on? It feels like we're going under. Hi, yes, it is chaotic. And I'm sorry to say this, but the chaos is on purpose. And as soon as we all start to understand this and understand that a bunch of people in our government that get paid way too much, that sit in their squishy DC jobs and have no idea what it's like to live outside of the DC bubble, they sat down and they said, wow, we really messed up. Oops, how are we going to distract and get our poll numbers up? How are we going to stop the American people from hating us the way that they hate us right now because we left American citizens and allies behind enemy lines to get killed by the Taliban? Well, all of these D.C. consultants and bureaucrats and people in the Biden administration, they're sitting at this conference table and they say, want to know what would really take attention away from this? Well, there's a 100 million people. In the workforce that work for companies with over 100 employees, let's roll out a vaccination mandate from the federal government requiring all employers to have every employee vaccinated if they have more than 100 employees. That'll really piss them off and freak them out and make every charity, every nonprofit, every law group that cares about this issue, which is pretty much all of us, have to shift focus and literally start working to get lawsuits and activism groups and community organizing up and running to fight back against this because these people are going to lose their jobs by the deadline. We should set a deadline and really make them have to dedicate all their time and resources and attention to this. And then when they freak out, the whole news cycle is going to be about it. And by that time, when the news cycle for that is over, because the news cycle moves so quickly, we'll be in the clear and everybody's going to be moving on to other things. Like, I don't know, AOC's dress that has red lettering on it at the The, uh, whatever it's called, the Met Gala. I never watched that stuff. I didn't even know it was last night. And then I saw the pictures of her this morning and I was like, oh my gosh, oh gosh. Either way, what you saw there is a bunch of bureaucrats in DC and all these consultants and people, they sat at a table and they said, what kind of propaganda are we going to spin up right now to take the attention off of us? Because right now we're getting hit by the American people on the Afghanistan issue. That's as simple as it was for them. And the only time, the only reason they released the unconstitutional vaccination mandate at this time is to take the pressure off of their shoulders from Afghanistan. That is it. Now that you know this, here's the thing. We have to still fight the unconstitutional vaccination mandate because it's unconstitutional, but they set a deadline that is going to get people fired, that is going to have people having to quit or lose their job and their ability to put money, food on the table pretty soon. And so they're freaked out and they're always messaging me. I'm working on it. We're working on it a lot, but oh my gosh, they they really screwed us on this. So we have to dedicate time to this. We have to continue to bring up Afghanistan every, wake, every waking moment that we can. So I was on Newsmax today. I got asked about the California recall and I was like, you know, what happens when we have weak leadership is stuff like Afghanistan where we still have <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I just like started going into the Afghanistan spiel because we have to not let it die. That's the thing though as well. I get people are like, you know, I don't mean to be mean, but there's only so many memes I want to see of AOC's dress. I get that it's funny. I get that you can make a quick political quip about it, but you guys, oh my gosh, we are falling for it big time. That is such a waste of our time. And it's funny to make fun of her, of course, but we all know she's a dummy. We all know that she's just putting propaganda on her dress because she thinks she's having some sort of impact for the working class, whatever it may be. The problem is It's a funny meme, but it's a deeper conversation. And so we need to be talking about now the vaccination mandates, Afghanistan and AOC's dress, but not to make fun of the dress, you guys, but instead to understand that when people like her throughout history, especially the last 150 years, I guess, when they come to power, they say, I'm not a communist, I'm a democratic socialist. Even Fidel Castro called himself a democratic humanitarian. These people come to power by promising progress. They say they're democratic fill in the blank and they aren't bad. They're, they're the new good kind of people and they're going to stand up for progress in the working class. They get political power. They start to actually in, uh, implement socialist economic policies. They centralize the power. They take power away from the private evil capitalists and they put it in the hands of the people, a.k.a. the government. And what do you know? The economy tanks people start starving, the government has to then force people into labor to try and keep the economy going and build things back up, build back society. But what do you know? People start revolting. So now you have people starving to death. You have people being killed for speaking out and revolting against the government. And so you're either dying by starving to death or dying by being put up against a firing wall, all while the people in charge are getting rich. So Fidel Castro called himself a democratic humanitarian called himself a democratic socialist, rejected the term socialist communist uh, until he was deep into power in Cuba. And then what do you know? The country's failing. He's sending everybody to political prison who stands out against him. He's putting them up against the firing squad so they're dying by starvation or dying by being killed by the government for speaking out. And guess what this guy did? He would wear two Rolexes on his, wa- on his wrist all the time. Two Rolex watches. So then when I see Little Miss AOC, I call her Che Guevara and red lipstick because I don't fall for her crap. She goes to the Met Gala. She drives her Tesla. She goes on the cover of Vogue in expensive suits. And she always, always, always acts like this. And then as soon as we call her out, what happens? She says those evil white old guys in the GOP are obsessed with me. Well, hello, my name is Morgan. I'm 24 years old. I am a woman. I, (laughs) I'm not one of those like, what is it? Pregnant people's or chest feeders? No, when I'm pregnant, I'm going to be a woman that is having a baby. When I breastfeed, I will be breastfeeding, not chest feeding. I am not a person that gets periods or a person with a uterus. I'm a woman. I'm 24. I'm a woman and I'm telling AOC that her fashion choices, I couldn't care less about them. Okay? I could not care less about AOC's fashion choice. I have Every care in the world, though, about the dangerous ideas that she's peddling because they lead to the deaths of people, and it's not funny. So all the memes, while it is funny to see her memes be turned into like Chick-fil-A dresses and stuff like that, it, it only goes so far, and we have to have the bigger conversation of the fact that she's following the footsteps of every dictator in her past. Do I think she's going to be a dictator? No, I think America's going to be able to provide that check on her. But just stop falling for this woman. And when you see people who say, oh, you're making fun of her for her dress, and that's not funny. You're obsessed with her, and that's not funny. You care about her looks, and that's not funny. You know, she's just a young woman in politics. Say, no, I really don't care what she wears. I care about that message, and I care about the fact that she's in this room with a bunch of rich people at, like, the most luxurious party of the year. And I care about the fact that every other socialist before her that's led to massive devastation in their own countries has also been very privileged and out of touch while also calling them working class. IOC called herself working class, a working class colored person, or something. Woman, a working class woman of color at the Met Gala. She makes like one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year. You're not working class. All right, that's just my frustration. Overall, propaganda. It's frustrating because the Biden administration threw this at us in a propaganda way to dis- disorient us and distract us from the big situation in Afghanistan. Don't fall for it. Um, but. There's a bunch of other tactics. This gets back to, though, you guys, with everything going on, the indoctrination, the propaganda, the totalitarianism, the cancel culture. It's not cancel culture. It's totalitarianism and the removal of our political voices that oppose the leftism that's on the rise from the public square and from positions of power. That's happening right now. Uh, all of these things happening are one thing, but it's another to find out that our bureaucracy and specifically the bureaucracy inside of the military was very, very close to stepping over Trump, the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, uh, claiming that he was going to be a danger to the world, thinking that they were going to save America and save the world from this dangerous, deadly potential U.S. president, and that they were going to be the ones to save us, a military coup, a military coup. How do you feel about that? I don't feel so good about that. Oh my goodness. As yeah. you can see crazy times. So I'm going to close this off on a, like a more positive, funny note, because now I have this like whole mission. I have a whole new mission. I have a lot of missions. What can I say? Uh, I feel a little radicalized. I didn't realize how radical I, I actually am to other people until recently. I was talking to someone about government school and they were like, what's that? And they were very conservative. And I was like uh public school. And they were like, Oh, why is it that? <gasps> Hello? Hello? And is it not a normal thing yet for us to be all calling public school government school? I thought that was the normal thing to do now. So I'm a little bit radical and I believe in full self-reliance. And so I was thinking, wow, I say a lot of things that if some old scary looking man was saying them, I think people would get a little freaked out. And by that, I mean, this morning, I said, these tyrants will never stop unless they are stopped. <laughs> and, then, and that was to a video of Dr. Fauci saying that he's going to potentially have it on the table at least to maybe consider requiring vaccinations to be able to travel domestically in America. That means I would never get to fly again. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to learn to fly a plane. That's my solution. Uh, so I said, these tyrants will never stop unless they are stopped. Did I mean anything bad by that? Absolutely not. I'm an angel, and I mean constitutionally they need to be stopped. Baby, come on. Uh, What's another thing I said? (laughs) I said, do you still trust the government to provide you health care, handle your retirement, and educate your kids? I hope for your sake your answer is now no. (laughs) Just radicalizing the masses. Kidding. Uh, And the next thing, last thing, I, uh, I tweeted with a clip of me on Newsmax talking about Jen Psaki and saying that I don't trust her or the Biden administration to do anything correctly. I I said, another hit on Newsmax, another opportunity to radicalize Americans into full self-reliance, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I love this little concept. I'm going to radicalize Americans into embracing freedom again. Freedom radical. Radical for freedom? Working on it. Working on the wording on that. But kind of love the concept. I will see you guys later. If you haven't given me a review of five stars and said that this is the best podcast you've ever heard, then just, you gotta go buy a Zeggers Freedom Flag, okay? ZeggersFreedomFlag.shop. ZeggersFreedomFlags.shop with an S. Buy a flag. If you want me to say hi on it, I'll write you a little note. But, God bless. I love you guys so much. And, uh, never trust the government. See you next week. Mm-hmm.